Masechet Sukkah, Da 47. Uh, we're talking about Shemini Aseret today, and two subtopics within that. Should we sit in a Sukkah on Shemini Aseret? If you do sit in the Sukkah, should you say a Beracha about it? And then the second topic, should we say in Chutz Aretz, we're talking about, should you say Shechianu? On Shemini Aseret. Is it a new holiday or a continuation of the previous holiday? The eighth day is a very interesting day. You can only have a, Shemini Aseret literally means a stopping on the eighth, right? The cessation of the holiday on the eighth. But you can't have number eight unless you have seven first. So really it's dependent on the seven days of Sukkot and in that sense a continuation. But it also has a new name and a lot of new other things, which makes it also independent. So because it has that dual aspect, that's what we're going to grapple with today. So we begin, All is all in the name of Rav. That's what the Gemara calls Shemini Aseret in Chutz Laaretz, what we call Shemini Aseret also. But it might be the last day of, of, of Sukkot, the seventh day. What do we do with it? That day we will consider like the seventh in regard to sukkah, which would mean you do sit in the sukkah, maybe we will also say, also say the beracha, we'll discuss that in a second. And it's considered the eighth for beracha. Beracha here doesn't mean the Sheba sukkah. Beracha is referring to the tefillah during the day, Ya'alev Yavo, and Berkat Amazon, and Kiddush. Um, do you, what do you say? Do you say on this Sukkot today or Bishmini Chagaseret Hazet? So you consider it the eighth and you call it a different holiday. You call it Shemini Aseret in the Beracha. That's the opinion of Rav. However, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Shemini Lazeh Velazeh. You call it, consider it the eighth day, both for sitting in the Sukkah and for the Tefillah. Interestingly, Rav is from Babel, Rabbi Yochanan is from Eretz Yisrael. So Rabbi Yochanan, he's, t- he's giving halacha for Babel, but he's leaning towards, um, don't consider Yom Tov Sheni uh, so really like Yom Tov Sheni, consider it just like the eighth day. Uh, good. Now, we're going to have two interpretations of that machloket. Here's number one. Metav Everyone agrees that regarding sitting, metav, to sit in the sukkah, for sure you have to sit. Even the Biochanan, who says you treat it like the eighth day, still agrees that you should sit in the sukkah. They're arguing about saying a beracha while sitting in the sukkah. Do you say According to Rav, who says you consider it this day like the seventh day of Sukkot, so it may, maybe it's the seventh day of Sukkot, so you got to sit and you have to say a baracha. According to the Biochanan, who says we consider it like the eighth day, and even though there's a little safek that maybe it's the seventh day, really today we know we have a set calendar, so um, yes, you'll sit, but don't say a baracha. You can't say a baracha on something that you know really we all know is not the correct day. <laughs> Good. Amad Av Yosef. Now, between these two giants, which one are we going to follow? Rav Yosef said, follow the Biochanan that says, treat it like the eighth day. Sit in the sukkah, but don't say a beracha. Because after all, 
this, uh, this rabbi and on the great sages of the generation, they all went in the sukkah and they lived in uh, outside of Israel and they sat in the sukkah on the, on, this, on the eighth day and they did not say a benacha. So <laughs> if you want to know halacha lemaseh, go out and see what the sages do in practice. And they followed Rabbi Yochanan. Good. V'dil masibira lehu keman de'amar kevan she'berach yom tov rishon shuv eno mebarech. Hold on. I know that they didn't say a baracha, but maybe it's for a different reason. Maybe they didn't say a baracha l'sheba sukkah because they follow the opinion we mentioned yesterday that you only say a baracha on the first day and that covers all seven days. That was the opinion of Shemuel, right, and others. And so maybe that's why they didn't say a baracha because they didn't say a baracha on day two, three, four, five, and six either. Um, no, that can't be. Because when we learn that story, we also learned that those sages were coming from the field. This is very interesting. It turns out they were in the field all seven days and they didn't have a sukkah. So they didn't get a chance to fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah the entire time. So if you don't say a baracha on the first night, because let's say it's raining, you don't have sukkah, whatever, then you say it whenever you get a chance, second night, third night. These sages, all seven days they didn't. On the eighth day, they finally came to town and had a sukkah. And therefore, they should have said the baracha even if they followed the opinion of Shemuel that you only say it on the first, on the once for the entire period. Therefore, it's still a good proof. The fact that they didn't say it means that they were following Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, so pretty bit of a surprising story. These are great sages that we're learning the halacha from, and they couldn't find a way to, to, get, to build a sukkah, at least uh, at one time during the entire sukkot. So uh, who knows what the circumstances were. Maybe it was a time of persecution and they were hiding out in the fields. Um, but either way, this is a proof that you do not say a beracha. Question? Yeah, um, Rabbi, with respect to, like, you have the two days because it's a mistake. You're not sure which is actually the holiday, right? I get that for the beginning of the holiday. But the last two days of the holiday, by then, you should have figured out which is the correct day. Um, no? no, there's still no way to figure out because, I mean, it depends how far you are. From, from, uh, from Jerusalem, Rosh Hashanah is the biggest problem because they're all deciding that day. So unless you're actually in the Beit HaMikdash or right, so right around it, you wouldn't know when Rosh Hashanah is. That's why even in Israel today, we have two, they have two days of Rosh Hashanah because if you live a few miles away, you're not, you're not going to know. Um, but if you live in Babel, and then it takes a long time, it, you know, it's not going to matter at the 15th or if it's the 23rd, they're still not going to know. So they still had a, a real safek at the time when they used witnesses to decide the month. Okay. So that was all one interpretation of the Machok between Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. Here's the second one. Actually, everyone agrees that you would never say a beracha of Lesheba Sukkah on Shemini Aseret. They're actually arguing whether you need to sit in the Sukkah at all. This is a much more, just shift everybody to a more lenient position. According to Rav, who said it's like, it could be like the seventh day, so we should treat it like it might be the seventh day. So we sit in the sukkah. But even he would agree that you don't say a beracha. According to the Biochanan, who says, no, just treat it like the eighth day. You don't even sit in the sukkah at all. Okay. Rav Yosef. Nekot did Rabbi Yochanan beyadach. Rav Yosef, who said before we should follow Rabbi Yochanan, he still says it. <clears throat> and Demarad Shmaat, but now for a different reason. Demarad Shmaata, 
Mani, because he says, who is the rabbi in your place? Um, every city has, a, has a, a rabbi who's in that city. You should always follow, right, the authority, uh, the local authority. Who is it? Rav Yehuda Bered Rav Shemuel Bar Shelat. And so the rabbi of your city, on Shemeniah said it, he would not sit in the sukkah. And this was outside of Israel. So according to that story of that rabbi, you would not sit. However, the halacha does not follow that opinion. Halacha is, we do sit in the sukkah, and we don't say a beracha. So in other words, be like uh, Rav of the second version. Or like Rabbi Yochanan of the first version, right? Either way, this is what we do. And that's in fact what we do today. One still must sit in sukkah because maybe it's sukkot, but don't say a beracha. Now, here's a question that the Gemara does not address, but that everybody has, has this question and the Rishonim address it. How come we don't take lulav on Shemini it? right? You take you sit in sukkah, so why not take lulav, even without a beracha, because maybe it's sukkot and you should fulfill that mitzvah. Two answers to that. Uh, that the Rishonim give. One is that sukkah is deoraita all seven days. So now you have a safik deoraita on the eighth day. So you want to fulfill it. The, however, lulav on all the rest of the days is only the rabbanan. So now it's a now it's a safik the rabbanan. Therefore, you could be much more lenient. Really, we know it's not it's rabbanan anyway. It's only zecher la mikdash when they did it. Therefore, you don't need to do it at all. <clears throat> I think that that answer makes a lot of sense. And uh, it's probably, maybe it was so obvious that Gemara doesn't even need to say it. There is, however, another answer, which would have a practical, uh, practical significance, uh, which is that if you're sitting in a sukkah, you're not doing anything actively to show that it's, maybe it's just nice out and you feel like sitting outside. And so therefore, it's not um, contradicting the fact that it's Shemini HaSedek. Whereas if you're taking Lulav, that's an active thing that you would never normally do. And therefore, you're kind of actively showing this is not Shemini Yaseret. And by doing that, you're downgrading the Yom Tov. And that could have a negative effect because people will say, oh, look, we took Lulav. You see, it's really, it's really Cholomoyed Sukkot today. Maybe I'll go play golf, right? And so it could be, you might think it's a Chumrah, but it ends up being a Kula. Whereas sitting in the Sukkah does not have that effect. <clears throat> then I have that, that effect because it's passive, right? It's more passive. But didn't, but didn't we see that because of Lobal Tosif. Yeah, so if I'm gonna, you know, if I'm worried about that, then I should be worried about that with Sukkot too. Okay, good. Bal Tosif is another another uh, point of, of this, but that would be equal for Sukkah and Lulav. Yeah. Um, I think we get around Bal Tosif by saying it's, it's a Drabanan. And you have, in general, isn't every Drabanan a Baal Tosif? So Rambam says, no, when the rabbis say, they never say, we are adding a Deoraita. They have to be very careful. And that's why you have to know how to distinguish. Where, where they admitting? They're admitting, this is a Drabanan. We're not adding to the, to, to the Torah. We're adding a fence. We're adding a, a Takana. So there, therefore, would not, not be that problem. But if you add on your own, when the rabbis didn't say to do it, then yes, then that could be about Tosif. Because maybe you're thinking it's the Doraita. Now, this would have a practical difference, which is that let's say you're in a place, not in Israel, where it's very a cold climate. And in a cold climate, it would look outstanding if you're sitting in a sukkah, because that's strange. Nobody would sit want, want to sit outside when it's so cold. And then that would be like more like Lulav and undermining the holiness of the Yom, of Yom Tov. And so therefore, historically, there were places that were more lenient 
uh, sitting in the sukkah on Shemini Aseret because if they follow the second reason. Whereas if you follow the first reason, then it doesn't, shouldn't matter. Even if it's cold, I mean, you treat it the same way as you do the rest of the day because it's the oraita. Okay, so that's an uh, um, important point of, <coughs> of the of, uh, discussion. Okay, now, Amar Biochanan, Omerim Zeman Bishmini Shel Hag, Ben Omerim Zeman Bishbi'i Shel Pesach. Now we're going to talk about saying Shehechianu. Um, so this is now even in Israel, right? Uh, we're talking about. Do you say Shehechianu on Shemini Aseret? Um, so Rabbi Yochanan says yes. Shemini Aseret is considered, you're always going to say Shehechianu on a new holiday. So yes, it's considered a new holiday. And so you say it, but you, on Pesach, even though the last day is also Yom Tov, it's not a new holiday. It is a new Yom Tov, but it's a continuation of Pesach. And so therefore you don't say um, uh, Shehechianu. And that is the halacha, that's what we do. <coughs> okay, now we're gonna try to explain the difference between the end of Pesach and the end of Sukkot. This is after all, look carefully at the details, at the rituals. Sheminiya said it is different from Sukkot in three ways. First of all, sitting in the sukkah, you do for seven days, not Shemini Aseret. Lulav, you take for seven days, not Shemini Aseret. And the Sukhamayim, which is not found in the Torah, that, um, that they, they did in the Bet HaMikdash, they would get, get water and pour it on the Mizbeach as a prayer for rain. They do that for seven days, but not Shemini Aseret. So in these three ways, you see, Shemini Aseret is fundamentally a different new holiday. And that's why you should say Shechianu. A side point for the Biuda, he thinks, number one, that use a log instead of, uh, he has a, a disagreement on the measurement. He also thinks that you do Nisuchamayim on the eighth day. All eight days Nisuchamayim. Um, okay, it's not, it's not so uh, strange because after all, we do the prayer for rain on uh, Shemini Aseret. So he says, yeah, why not an extra day? In that case, it would only be different in two ways. Not with Nisuchamayim. Oh, nevertheless, it's still significantly different, and that would require saying Shechianu. We don't mention the Korbanot, but the Wait, that's coming. <clears throat> Hold on. I, I understand the last day of Sukkot is different from the other days, but Pesach also, the last day is different from the first day, because the first day of Pesach, you have to eat Masa, it's a mitzvah during the Seder at night. And on the last day of Yom Tov, you don't have to. So isn't that also a difference? The first night you have to, and the rest of the night you don't have to. So there's a difference there. What? Is that really a good comparison? There, it's true, the last day of Pesach is different from the night of the first night, but it's not different from the day. In other words, it's only mitzvah to eat matzah on the first night. On the first day already, if you don't feel like eating uh, bread, you don't have to eat masa at all. So therefore, the last day of Yom Tov is, is, is continuous with the daytime of the first day. And so there's no break, there's no dissimilarity. Whereas here on Sukkot, Shemini Aseret is different even from the first daytime. The daytime, you also sit in Sukkah and take Lulav and do Nisu Chamaim. Good. <coughs> Another answer that in uh, regarding Sukkot, 
Shemini Aseret is different from the day before, immediate day before, right? The seventh day of, of Pesach, of Sukkot, where it's still Lulav, doing Lulav, all those three things. Whereas Pesach, is all, Pesach, the last day, is different from the first day, but it's continuous with the previous day, it's in the six, five, four, three, two, right? Are all the same. So really, there's no, there is some difference between the first night and the rest, but it's really the first night and the rest, not the six days and the seven. Uh, so I think those are all very good and convincing answers. Um, now that we have that answer, we're going to add yet three more differences between Sukkot and, she, and Shemini Aseret that are rooted in the Pesukim. Amada Papa, here regarding um, it says one pad, and on the other days it says parim. I'll show you here. First, uh, um, here's a chart of the, of the number of uh, animals that you bring. On, um, on Sukkot, the first day you bring 13 bulls, two rams, and 14 sheep. Second day, the bulls go down, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. On the seventh day of Sukkot, you bring seven bulls. The two rams and 14 sheep stay the same all seven days. But Shemini it, it goes completely different. It's not, it not, doesn't go down to six, it goes down to one bull. And then also the others becomes one ram and seven sheep instead of two ram and 14 sheep. So you see that the number of, of Kolbanot is a completely different system. In fact, if you look carefully, Shemini Aseret is more similar to the Yamim Noraim, right? The, the same uh, uh, number, uh, which uh, um, you know, gives a nice symbolism of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shemini Aseret. And maybe that's why we already pick up some of the Selichot tunes on Hoshanah Rabbah entering into Shemini Aseret. And so that you can see this in the Pesukim, where on each day it says, it's plural, until you get to Shemini Aseret, and it says, so that is a fundamental difference. Um, this next one. So we'll see then the Pesukim. Um, so here in Bemidbar Kaftet, Parashat Pinachas, it's talking, it says on the, in the seventh month, on the 15th day, here's what you should bring. And then for the second, it says, which means it's continuing the first day. The Vav uh, joins together each day to the one before until you get to But then the next one says, doesn't say Ubayom Hashemini. So therefore it's not linked with the one before. It's a separate holiday just by missing that Vav. Okay, it's very, very good. Very good uh, insight. Even that little Vav can make a big difference in indicating that's a new holiday. Rav Hatam Ketiv Kemishpatam. So here also we have some Torah readers, right? That are nodding their heads, right? And so because all these these days are, look almost exactly the same, but only almost. For each day, for the first day, it tells you all the, um, the, the, the nesech, how much, how much wine and oil to bring to accompany the korbanot that you would pour. And then the second day, it says, kamishpat. Look at day one, right? Do the same as there. Day two, it says, kamishpat. All the days, it says, kamishpat. Until the seventh day, it says, kemisparam, bemisparam, kemishpatam. So that's a summary statement saying, this will now conclude all of the libations that you bring. So that's a summary. Then on the eighth day, it says once again, kamishpat, which means it's a new beginning, um, even though, even if it's a similar ratio, 
but it doesn't, we have a summary at Mishpatam and then starting again, Kamishpat. So again, all um, uh, perfect, perfectly legitimate literary uh, uh, indications that it is in fact a new holiday. Okay, good. Now, we're going to try to bring an extra proof for this. We're going to try to um, give support to the Biochanan that you should say, because it's a new holiday. The proof is going to come at the end of this, the following Baraita, which is an interesting discussion. So the Tanakama here says that the, all the three types of animals that you bring uh, throughout Sukkot, are uh, they they uh, prevent if you don't do one of them it ruins the whole package right so parim elim and kebasim you need to do all of them in order for any one of them to be valid the biuda disagrees and he says parim are independent of the other two and so and they do not um, prevent the fulfillment of the others. And how do you know that? After all, the parim change a number every day. It goes from 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7. And so if the parim are changing every day, it means that they are flexible, variable. So if you did the other two, the elim and kebasim, and didn't do parim, the elim and kebasim would still be valid korbanot, even without the parim. Because after all, it's not stable anyway. That's the Buddha's opinion. You could say it's even more special that there's a distinction for it is. It could be as very. It could be very special, but it's not. It's not intertwined with the other. Because if it's intertwined, then it should stay be the same uh, each day. It's. It, it follows its own. Uh, you know, its own gears. Amrula. <clears throat> so the rabbi said to him, "Hold on, Rabbi uh, On the eighth day, all the numbers change. So therefore, you would. You should say that none of them are uh, bound to the other." Because on the four, on the last day you have only one and uh, seven instead of uh, two and fourteen for the ram and sheep, and so according to your logic, then you would say none of them necessitate the others. Buddha says no, no, leave Shemini it out of it. That's a separate holiday. We're not even talking about that. I'm only talking about the seven, which are one holiday, and yet the parim change. So now he's giving us, giving us this very important principle that we, this is the first time we see it so explicit. Shemini is a separate holiday. And what does that mean to be a separate holiday? What's the practical significance? Four things that both Sukkot and Shemini Aseret require their own korban, um, so you have to bring whatever, you know, the, whatever korbanot are appropriate for that day. Shir is the mizmor from Tehillim that you would say on this holiday and that. We today, we have a different uh, shir. On the Sukkot, we say 42. On Shemini said we say 12, right? Allah Sheminit. Um, in the Bet HaMikdash, whatever songs that they would say, sing, the living would sing, is different on both. And Beracha is referring to Ya'alev Yavo and Kiddush, where you say, um, or and Lina, Lina means sleeping over in Jerusalem. If you remember from Pesachim, when you bring Korban Pesach, you have to be in one place to eat it and you have to sleep over in Jerusalem. You can't leave. It was a very beautiful thing because that means you'd spend the whole night together and sing and celebrate. 
Um, and this is true not only for Korban Pesach, but any Korban Shalamim, you have to stay in Jerusalem the whole night. Don't rush it, right? You have a nice party uh, with uh, all your family and friends. So just like you have to sleep over in Jerusalem the first night, so too for Shemini Asedet, you're going to bring special Korbanot for them for that day also, and you're going to have to sleep over. Okay, truth is even during Cholam Moed, um, they would bring uh, extra Shalamim. But you wouldn't necessarily have to bring one every day because you could eat it the next day. But Shimon said it, you have to make sure to bring one. So in all these four aspects, um, the Biuda is telling us that Shimon said it is its own holiday. So good. Now we say, my love, Zeman. Now in here we said Beracha. Well, so uh, what, is, what does Beracha mean? It's ambiguous. Maybe it means and we can learn from the Biuda's words that you say Shechianu on the first, on Sukkot, and also on Shimon said it. No, we're talking about the Alevi Abo, which is how I interpret it to begin with. And so therefore, there's no proof from here that you would say Shechianu, even though actually it is a pretty good proof that it says a separate holiday. So it would make sense you say Shechianu, but it's not explicit that it says that this is a different, that they just say Shechianu. Good. Now this response that we gave to say it's not a good proof, 100% proof because it's talking about Yadav Yabo and not, and not Shechianu, actually makes sense. If you're talking about Shechianu, do we say Shechianu all seven days? And if you look carefully at that Baraita, it says um, that uh, he says, Keshem Sheshivati Me'achag Te'unin Beracha, just like the seven days of Sukkot require Beracha. We don't say we don't say Shechianu on all seven days. You do say Yalevi Abo on all seven days. So it makes sense to my Yalevi Abo and not a Shechianu. But then we say Halakasha. We actually really we could we could have responded to that. Because the truth is, if you don't say Shechianu on the first day, you forgot, you didn't get a chance. So you can still say Shechianu on the second, third, or any day of Sukkot, the first time you get a chance. And remember, so really it does apply all seven days, even though you don't say it seven times. So no, that wouldn't make sense because you have to say Shechianu with a cup of wine. As we say during Kiddush, you have to make it special with wine. Well, maybe the attempted proof that we had would be a support for Rav Nachman, because Rav Nachman says you can say Shechianu even without a cup of wine. If you're just walking in the market and you say, oh, it's a holiday, I'm going to say Shechianu, you could say it right there. Nice, everybody's around, and you don't have to go and find a cup. Because if you say you require a cup, do you, do you normally have a cup of wine handy? During a weekday, during, even during Chol Moed, you don't usually. So since we thought that we could use this as a proof um, uh, for all seven days, so therefore that proves Rav Nachman that you don't require Shechianu. And we reject that and say, Dilma, Dikla Lekos. Now maybe he happened to get a, a cup of wine, right? I don't know, someone invited him over, come for a drink for Chol Moed and gave him a nice cup of wine. And he it could be you have access to a cup of wine even during Chol Moed. And then you say, oh, I've never said Shechianu. Then you would say Shechianu. Shabbat. Uh, Shabbat Chol Moed, right? We say it then. Good. Um, but all, not all seven days. It has to be possible any of the seven days because it'll be with us at seven days. Um, good. All right. So that was an attempted proof. Now we're going to focus zero in on the Biuda. 
וסבר רבי יהודה שמיני טעון לינה, in that b'naita that we just quoted, the Biuda was countering the sages and saying that leave Shemini Aseret and those korbanot, that's not a proof for if one's dependent on the other, because Shemini Aseret is different in these four ways. And one of them was that you have to sleep over in Jerusalem on Shemini Aseret. Now we're going to question that because it's a contradiction to something else that the Biuda says, where he seems to not require sleeping over on Shemini Aseret. And this proof comes from Pesach Sheni. Okay, we're going to bring a bunch of things where you would, may have to sleep over or not. So everyone would agree that Pesach, you have to sleep over because that's like, a, you know, a long six-day holiday and you bring the Shalamim. Other things like Pesach Sheni, it's, it's, it's only one day. You, don't, you can even eat chametz with it. So do you have to, have to sleep? If I miss Pesach Rishon, do I have to sleep over in Jerusalem for Pesach Sheni? That's going to be a question. It's only a one-day holiday. Do I have to sleep over? And we're also going to bring in Bikurim. When you bring the first fruit of Bikurim, you also bring a Korban Shalimim along with it. But that's also just a one-day thing. So do I have to sleep over for that also? These are the questions that we're going to follow. And even though the Biuda here said that you require Linan Shemini Asedet, let's look at the following Baraita. The Biuda Omer. He thinks Pesach Sheni will not require sleeping over. This is talking about Pesach Rishon, regular Pesach. It says in the morning, you go home, which, from which we learn you have to stay over the whole night, or you can't go home until the next morning. The next Pasuk right after that says, for six days you should eat Masot. So since these two Pesukim are back to back, we juxtapose them and we say, You only have to, re- only require to sleep over if it's a long six day holiday. But if it's a short one day holiday, then you don't have to sleep over that night. So what are you coming to exclude? So according to that rule, it would exclude because it's only a one-day holiday like Pesach Sheni. And therefore, according to the Biuda, you would not have to sleep over Shemini Aseret. And that would contradict the previous Baraita where the Biuda said, oh, it's like Shemini uh, Aseret is like Sukkot and that it's a, its own holiday. It requires Lina. So how are we going to answer this? No, that second b'raita is only means to exclude Pesach Sheni, which is like Pesach Rishon, in that they're both Pesach. So it means if you have a Korban Pesach, then if it's a six-day holiday, you have to sleep over. If it's a one-day holiday, Pesach Sheni, you don't have to sleep over. But it wasn't talking about Shemini Aseret at all. Shemini Aseret, you would still have to sleep over, even though it's only one day. It's not like Pesach. And this makes sense. That in fact, that this distinction, we're not just making up this distinction out of the uh, out of the air. We have a Mishnah that teaches Habikurim Teonin Korban Veshir Utnufa Velina. That's all the Mishnah says. That Bikurim also require that you bring a Korban with it. Shalamim requires that the Livim will sing a song. Requires Tenufa, right? That you take the basket and you pick it up and wave it four directions and up and down. Um, like we do lulav, or rather lulav is like this, and lina, and you have to sleep over for bikurim. So you see that um, even though it's a one day, 
you still require. Now, who is the author of this Mishnah? The Mishnah is anonymous, but we can try to figure it out. We know that the Biuda requires waving of the Bikurim from the source we're about to bring. And so since he requires waving, he must be the author of this Mishnah. And since this Mishnah also says you have to sleep over for Bikurim, the Biuda must agree that you have to sleep over for Bikurim, even though it's one day. And if he says that, then he probably also thinks that you have to sleep over for Shemini Sedid, even though it's one day. And only Pesach Shani is the exception. Okay, we're making a lot of assumptions along the way, and we're going to question at least one of them in a second, but we're trying to build up a case. Now, where do we see that the Biuda requires, um, uh, uh, does require Tinufa for Bikurim, and because of that, we can assign him authorship of the Mishnah? And this is Parashat HaShavua, we just read uh, yesterday, um, in the afternoon, right? Where it says um, in Devarim, the Parashat Bikurim, that when a farmer has first fruit, um, reading the Pesukim, the Kohen will take the basket of fruit and place it before the Mizbeach. And then he says his whole uh, statement, Adami Ovedabi, and the last pasuk in the parasha says, And then you take the basket and you place it before Hashem. So the first pasuk and last pasuk says, and which both, both, say, both, both mean placing. So we have a double. So this Midrash says, which is the last one, that doesn't mean placing, it means waving. A uh, curious interpretation for placing means waving, but I guess placing on your hands and, and moving it around. So the, the Midrash immediately questions its own hypothesis. Does it mean waving? Maybe it means actually placing. No, when it says in the first pasuk, I have a double double word. So one of them is for placing. What about the other one? The other one must mean that you're waving. Okay, and uh, that is the Biuda's opinion. It says that's the Biuda's opinion. Since the Biuda said that, uh, says that you need waving for Bikurim, and the Mishnah here says you require waving for Bikurim, therefore the Biuda must be the author of the Mishnah. Since he's author of the Mishnah, he also requires Lina for Bikurim, even though it's one day. Therefore, he probably also requires Lina for Shemini um, Aseret, and, and, uh, but not for Pesach Sheni. Okay, that was all our proof. Here, we're going to uh, 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 break one of the links of the proof. Maybe the Mishnah, which was anonymous, is in fact the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer Yaakov, because he also thinks that you require um, tenufa for Bikurim. So maybe he's the one that says you also need Lina, and maybe not Rabbi Yehuda. So it's not a disproof, but it's just uh, it's just that this is not a proof, even though it's not against it. It's just neutral. Um, how does he learn it from a different way? That says the Kohen takes the basket from your hands, from the hand of the farmer. And this, from here we learn, that says you take, takes it from your hands, that you have to wave it. Now, how does he learn that? So what takes it from your hands? Who said that means waving? We compare, we make a Gezerah Shabbat, the word hand, 
as found in Bikurim and is found also in Vayikra regarding Korban Shelamim. That's pasuk we just quoted. Here's the full pasuk, the full context. Says, go to Bnei Israel. When you bring Zevach Shelamav and Ishelamim, you bring the Koban Hashem, and then it says Yadav Tebiena. His own hands of the person bringing the Koban will present it to um, to Hashem. Um, and uh, so it says Yadav here. So in this pasuk, this pasuk Yadav is referring to the to the hands of the uh, person bringing the offering. So Ma Kohen, Ma Kan Kohen, Aflehalan Kohen. The Midrash says, just like in Bikurim, it's the Kohen's hand, so too in Shalamim, it's the Kohen's hand. But we also do the other way. Just like in Shalamim, it's the owner's hand, so too in Bikurim, it's the owner's hand. So we're by combining the hands, we're like putting our hands together and saying both refer to both people's hands, the owner and the Kohen. How could you have so many hands uh, in the mix? What they do is they put their hands together and write one under the other, and then they do tinufa together, the owner and the kohen. So a beautiful ritual, right? Then the uh, kind of sanctifying the fruit or the animal, and uh, the kohen does it, but the owner also gets to join in and, uh, and, 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 and do this ritual. Okay, so from that, we all, that whole thing, we learn that there be el as Eliezer also thinks that you do Bikurim uh, for, uh, do Tinufa for Bikurim. Therefore, maybe he's the author of the Mishnah, and therefore the Mishnah has no proof that the Bihuda would also say that um, you say do Tinufa, and since he's not the author, we don't know if he would say also say Lina for Bikurim, and therefore there's no proof that he would be also say Shemina says. No disproof either, but um, there's no support. Okay, good. So now we uh, solved all that. Bottom line, my have Allah. What do we do? Right? Okay, Shemina says coming up. Can you please tell us, should we say Shechianu or not? Rav Nachman Amar, Omrim Zaman Bashemini Shel Hag. Rav Nachman says, yes, say, say, say Shechianu. Rav Sheshat Amar, and Omrim Zaman Bashemini Shel Hag. Hashem says, no. Okay, so now we're still confused. Bottom line is yes, we do say Shechianu, and it's not only this Amorah's opinion, Tanya Kevated Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman is backed up by a Baraitas that says, Shemini Regel Bifnei Asmo Le'inyan Pazar Kashav. The eighth day is in fact its own holiday regarding six items, and uh, they are, Pe stands for Pais, uh, that you make a new lottery to decide which Kohanim are going to do each thing. Uh, during the seven days of Sukkot, they all take turns and have a system. Shemini said it's not part of that system. They're a new lottery to decide who gets to make those Korbanot. Zeman, that's one relevant to us. We say Shechianu, again, on Shemini Aseret. Regel, its own holiday, which means you don't sit in the Sukkah and uh, other uh, Lulav. Korban Bifnasmo has its own set of korbanot. Shira Bifnasmo, the Levim would sing their own mizmor, and we also sing a different mizmor. Beracha Bifnea Asmo, and the Beracha and the Amidan, Yadev Yavon, Kiddush, also requires a different holiday. And so, therefore, the bottom line, we do Shechianu, and I think it's so interesting how we're combined. On the one hand, Shemini said it is dependent on the first seven days, Kenave without seven. 
And yet it has also that dual aspect of being its own holiday, of course, eight representing the Berit, right? This is the quintessential um, Berit confirmation holiday, which makes it also appropriate that even though the Gemara doesn't talk about Simchat Torah, but since in Babel, we happen, they finished the whole Torah on Simchat Torah. It's really a perfect day when you're thinking about the number eight and Berit to also celebrate Simchat Torah. Baruch Adonai Lohram, Amen, Amen.